was a few months ago that someone came to me and said, I'm very much interested in the Lord's church growing, and I am sure that all of us who want to be faithful Christians are concerned about that same issue. The person who asked me this said, how does discipleship relate to this? In fact, many of the people in the world which you and I deal every day, we use some terminology that may or may not be in harmony with what the scriptures teach. For instance, there are people who talk about discipling other people and trying to bring them to the Lord. And I want to point out to you that our Lord intended that the body of believers grow. The passage that you and I just listened to just a few moments ago was a part of the Lord's great commission in which the Lord, as we read in verse 19, says, Go and make disciples of all the nations. The parallel passage found in Mark 16, verse 15, says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature we recognize of how important it is to spread the gospel message. And yet our goal should not just be posting numbers. We should be interested in making converts, making disciples. In fact, quite often it is easy for people to focus merely on numbers. The story of Gideon. And the great army that Gideon led, how that God pared that number down because he wanted to illustrate that the power was not in the number of people but was in God's will himself. What does it mean to be a disciple of Christ? Well, tonight we're going to look at four things. They're very basic. They're very uh, simple to understand, and yet I think it will illustrate maybe why and how you and I ought to be busy about trying to grow the Lord's kingdom in the sense of what you and I do. Now, we recognize that the power is not in us. On Wednesday evenings, we're studying the book of Romans, and Paul said in Romans 1 and verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. It's that message that is able to transform the hearts and the minds. I appreciate Brother Willie's prayer just a few minutes ago about the message and how it might impact those people who consider themselves our enemies. And I believe in that power of the gospel. Here's what we're going to discuss. We're going to talk about the meaning of a disciple. We're just going to look at some simple, basic passages on that. We're going to look at the motives for becoming a disciple. Why would a person want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? And then some very important aspects of it are the mandates. There are some things that are required of a person to be a disciple of the Lord, and it's not something to be entered into lightly. It's something that should be a decision that is made based upon a full understanding, and then finally the making of a decision, which is where I want to place 
the responsibility back on the audience to say either I am a disciple, I want to be a disciple, or I'm not a, yet ready to make that decision. Let's, let's begin, first of all, with the word disciple. It's a very rich word. It's a very important word. In fact, if you look at it, you will find out that it conveys the idea of someone who's a student, who's a learner, who's a pupil of someone else. The best passage that I could find that would say what I'm trying to convey is Luke 6 and verse 40. And Jesus put it simply, a disciple is not above his teacher. But everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. The relationship between our Lord and his disciples is like that of a teacher and his students. And the goal of a teacher is to impart the information to that student so that they are perfectly trained to be like the teacher, to know what the teacher knows. So to be a disciple of the Lord is to learn from Him, to follow Him, to understand Him. And would you recognize that this word disciple is found 269 times in the New Testament alone? That is that you recognize it's a principle found in a number of passages. And when you think about it, a disciple can be a learner or a pupil of someone else. For instance, John had his disciples. John 11 and verse 2, when he was in prison, it says, he asked, he had heard about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples, two of his followers. You go to chapter 14, verse 12, then his disciples came and took away the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. John had his disciples. When you go a little bit further, you recognize that the Pharisees had their own disciples. They were in the role of the teacher and there were others who were their students and who were following them. In Matthew 22 and verse 16, and they sent to him their disciples with the Herodians. You understand that they had their own disciples. And then you have the statement in John 9 of the Jews, they reviled him and said, you are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. Now folks, let me interject at this point. There were disciples of John, and yet John was given that role by God. There were disciples of Moses, and Moses was given that role by God. But today, you and I are not discipling people. We're not making them clones of ourselves. Today, we are to be disciples of Jesus. So that's the wrong way to use the term. Don't say, I'm discipling someone. I'm trying to make them a, a follower of me. No. What you find is we're to be disciples of Jesus. And the best way to see that is John 4, verse 1, where John records, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, made and baptized. That agrees with Matthew 28, verse 19. 
of making disciples. Now, I think you've gotten the idea of what it means to be a disciple, to be a learner, to be a follower. But what are the motives for becoming a disciple of Christ? Why would people decide to do that? Well, I can tell you there's some improper motives. There's some things that you ought not to do it for. And one of them would be family ties. You know, as you look among people who become Christians, they might say, well, now that's what my mother was, that's what my father was, that's what my grandparents were, and so I'm going to become a disciple of Jesus just because they were. I want to please them. I want to make them happy. Folks, the Muslims can make that same claim. The Mormons can make that same claim. The atheist can make that same claim. In fact, when we go to the Bible, we find Jesus saying, Matthew 10, verse 37, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. My family ties is not the reason to become a disciple of Christ. Now, don't misunderstand me. I love my mother and my father. Loved my grandparents. Appreciated the faith that they passed along like Eunice and Lois did to Timothy. But I am not a Christian today. I'm not a disciple of the Lord because of my parents. A second reason would be selfish desires. Someone may look and say that if I become a disciple of the Lord, it's going to be better for me as I move and live among the people of my community. You know, in our community here, the Lord's church is a very strong presence. And someone might say that if I were to be a disciple of the Lord, that would give me a great opportunity. In Romans 15 and verse 3, Paul writes, We who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each one of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. For even Christ did not please himself. It's very easy for a person to look at their faith and their religion as, what is it going to bring me? What's it going to provide for me? Nor should you do it to please others. There may be those who are your friends. There may be people that you want to impress. And you see, if you're trying to impress your family, you're trying to impress your friends, Paul puts it like this in Galatians 1 and verse 10, For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Because if your motivation is for others to please them, to make them happy, then if their views change or their views turn, then so must yours. But there are some proper motives. The proper motive for being a disciple of the Lord is to recognize your need for Him. In Luke 19 and verse 10, last Sunday we studied about the account of Zacchaeus. And the statement of Jesus is that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. 
My reason for becoming a disciple of Jesus is Jesus has shown me my need that I'm lost. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6 and verse 23, the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I need to be a disciple of His and ought to want to be a disciple of His because of what He is providing. But a second reason, a right reason to be a disciple of His is for the love that we have for Him. Because we see what He did for us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul is talking about His role in the reconciliation of man. How that He is here trying to persuade men. He said, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But you get to verse 14 and he says, for the love of Christ compels us. Because if I look at the Lord and I see how much love that He expressed for me, what He did for me. Galatians 2.20. Listen to Paul. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live by faith, in the, live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. That's a great reason to want to follow Him. But the main reason when you get all the way to the very end to be a disciple of Jesus is because He is the Son of God. There's a lot of teaching in John chapters 5 and 6. In John 5, we have the Lord teaching among the Jews and there's a lot of controversy there. He's trying to teach them about His being the bread of life. And John 6 and verse 68, But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Now folks, you think of it. Here is the Lord. I need to be a disciple of His because He is the only one who has the words of eternal life. Jesus said in John 14 verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You need to be His disciple because that's the only one that will get to go to heaven. Acts 4 verse 12, Luke says, quoting the apostles, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. But now, let's think a little bit. I know what it means to be a disciple. I know what my motivation ought to be. I ought to do it for the right reason. I ought to be a a, a follower of God and my conversion ought to be because of that. What does it take to be a disciple of the Lord? And I'd suggest to you, Jesus didn't say to everybody, just put your hand on the radio and it'll all be all right. He didn't say, pray the sinner's prayer and it'll all get you to heaven. Here's what our Lord did teach. And this is a passage that begs to be studied and understood. Now great multitudes went with him. And he turned and said to them, If anyone comes after me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, in his own life also, 
Now listen carefully. He cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid the foundation and not be able to finish, all begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who is coming against him with 20,000. Or else while he's a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Wow. Now you've, you've moved from talking about what it means and the motivation. You mean, Lord, I've got to surrender? As we sing the song, I surrender some. Was that what we sang? No. I surrender all. That means that if I'm going to be a disciple of the Lord, He can't be second place, third place, fourth. He's got to be in first place. His demands come before everyone else's demands. That's important. Let me add a few to that. John 8, verse 31. Jesus said to those Jews who believed Him, if you abide in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. You stay in my word. You continue with my word. That's when you are my disciples. You decide you want to go somewhere else, do something else, you're no longer my disciple. And he goes on in verse 32 and says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Those who are the Lord's disciples assemble. They assemble to worship God. They don't take off on their own. They don't choose to stay home and watch the Super Bowl. They don't choose to go off and, and please themselves. They recognize the essential nature of being a disciple of the Lord. You see, you go back up there and you count the cost. You're not going to be committed to it. You better think about it first. In Acts 20, verse 7 now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, ready to depart the next day, Paul continued his speech until midnight. Hebrews 10 verse 25, Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some. Folks, you recognize as well as I recognize, there are some people whose physical health prevents them from assembling but there are some folks, even tonight, who decided they'd rather stay home and watch television. They'd rather stay home and read a book than they had assembled with the saints of God. Disciples of the Lord also abstain from fleshly lust. You see, we live in a world where there's all these pulls to get involved in the, the ungodly things. 
1 Peter 2 and verse 11, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from the fleshly lust which war against the soul. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 22, abstain from every form of evil. You see, you're going to be a disciple of the Lord, you, you really just turn your back on those worldly allurements. And disciples of the Lord bear fruit. They show others that they are following Jesus because Jesus bore fruit and they're following Him. They're bearing fruit. John 15 and verse 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so you shall be my disciples. Matthew 7 verse 20. Therefore, by their fruits, you shall know them. I think about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, meekness, self-control, against such there is no law. Galatians 5, verse 23. Christians who you can see it in their lives, they're bearing fruit. Now let's talk about making this lesson applicable. For many of you, you've already decided that you would be a disciple of the Lord, that you would make a commitment to Him. You would be a Christian, a follower of Christ. But I have to recognize some people are not willing, at least at this point in their life, to make that decision. I look at John 6, and I mentioned too earlier about what Peter said in John 6 and verse 68. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. But you see, when Jesus had made that proclamation, I am the bread of life, John records, therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Who can accept it? Verse 66, from that time many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Here's a reality, folks. There's a lot of people who have said, I want to be a child of God. I want to be a Christian. I want to follow him. And then what they've done, somewhere along the line, they've said, I'm not going to do it. Just like the children of Israel under that Old Testament. God had held forth for them a pattern of life and they'd said, no, we're not going to do it. And then there's some people once presented with the choice of being a disciple of Christ or not, simply push back and say, don't put me under that pressure right now. Two men that had the gospel preached to them, Felix and Festus, along with King Agrippa. We read about him in Acts 24 and chapter 26. It says, Now as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come, Felix was afraid and answered, Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I'll call for you. Occasionally as I sit and talk with people, I, I hear them say the same thing. No, not right now. Maybe later. I've heard people tell me numerous times, yeah, I'm going to obey the gospel one of these days. Yes, I'm going to become a Christian. I'm going to be a disciple of Christ. But just not right now. 
It's not convenient. It's not easy for me. Let me tell you something. If that's your choice, that's your choice. You'll live with it. But let me tell you, if you can't even make up your mind whether or not you're willing to make a commitment, I'm not sure how much commitment you're going to have after you become a Christian either. Because the Lord said, you sit down you count that cost. When you get to Acts 26, Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to be a Christian. Some people think Paul was being mocked, but I think the way the question and the response is stated, that's what Agrippa was trying to say. You almost persuade me. Let me ask you, what would it take to persuade you to be a disciple of Christ? If you're one of those who are just sitting on the fence and you're, you're really thinking in your mind, I don't know, what would it take? Paul said to Agrippa, I, I would to God that you were all together such as I am, except for these bonds, these chains. I could wish tonight that you were willing to make a commitment and not just be partially persuaded, not just almost persuaded, but fully persuaded. But I will tell you, there are some people, some of you, who have willingly followed the Lord by willing to leave everything. Mark 10, 28, Peter said to him, See, we have left all and followed you. Many of those apostles had gotten up and walked away from their background, their training, everything to be able to follow Jesus. Philippians chapter 3, beginning with verse 7. Here's Paul. But what things were gained to me, I counted loss for Christ. Yes, and indeed I count all things for loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Dropping down to verse 12. Not that I've already attained or already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold on that of which Christ Jesus has laid hold on me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul said, I don't look back and feel like I've missed anything. He said, those things were rubbish to me. I don't want you to be like Lot's wife. And she was fleeing the cities of the plain. She was fleeing Sodom. She was told not to look back. She looked back. She became a pillar of salt. And Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. Jesus said to make disciples by baptizing them and teaching them. I want to go back to verses 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. What do I need to do? baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. 
You make a disciple by baptizing them and teaching them. And that's the way they become committed to serving the Lord. And those who were disciples were called Christians. Acts 11 and verse 26. And it says that the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. And the question we end tonight is, are you willing to become a disciple or a learner of the Lord? The song of invitation has been selected. I know that many of you have heard the message of the gospel many times from many different people. It's really now just about a choice. You may not have come to the services tonight with the intent of rendering obedience. But if your heart is tender and you're willing to make that commitment, why not, as we sing this song, to come and to make a commitment. And if you're one of those children of God, the disciples who've walked with Him no more, why not come and be restored to faithfulness? While together we stand and sing.